Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites, the official podcast of Dr. Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc. On every episode, I talk with health and wellness experts from all over the world, such as doctors, chefs, dietitians, coaches, and many more. And I sit down with them and have casual conversations about plant-based lifestyle, how to elevate our emotional resilience, and what it really means to thrive. And I bring all of this to you. So let's get to this week's episode. Okay, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites. I'm your host, Colin Zhu, and thank you for listening in. I have an amazing guest for you today. Her name is Dr. Simran Rattan. Say hi to everyone, Simran. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show. Um, a little bit about Dr. Simran. She is a Canadian board certified in family medicine. Uh, she completed her fellowship in integrative medicine and is also certified in integrative health coaching from Dr. Wow's Center of Integrative Medicine. And uh, she's also a meditation master coach and has numerous, numerous, numerous accolades um, into spiritual care and education. And lastly, but not you know least, she's also a level one Tai Chi instructor. So yeah. wow, very, very well accomplished. So I'm really excited uh, to share your story. Um, so tell us a little bit about how did you get to this point? Um, you know, I love sharing stories about um, our providers, our physicians, our passionate health and wellness um, expert, but it's very important to kind of share how you got to this point, you know, from a physician to a coach to, you know, a meditation expert. How mm -hmm. did you get to this point? Well, you know, it's actually the opposite. <laughs> I got became a meditation expert before I became a physician or a coach. So, so I think I'll start there. And first of all, thank you so much for having me here, Colin. I'm really honored to be um, on the show with you. Uh, and one of the things that I thought about when I was coming on the show was how excited I was to share the fact that I got to get into the spiritual health side at a very young age. Um, my, my family has been meditating for many generations, actually. My grandfather meditated, my great-grandfather meditated, even my grandparent mothers uh, meditated as well. So it's kind of like in the heritage in my family that people meditated. And so I was exposed at a very, very young age to meditation. Mm. Um, you know, of course, when you're young, you don't do it as consistently as you do when you're a little bit older. But I had luckily my grandfather's really good friend who taught me the meditation that I teach um, right now came to our home and stayed with us when I was a teenager. And and that was a huge transformation in my life. Um, and that, but also my father who uh, med meditates um, and meditates wakes up every morning at four in the morning to go into the, and goes into his room and meditates. And that really influenced me as well as a child. And it was that plus this story that my parents talked to me about. It was a mm -hmm. story about Guru Nanak Dev Ji. And Guru Nanak Dev Ji was a founder of, um, of a particular religion, Sikhism. And he, they told me the story when I was young and the story was about him. And uh, it was called The Doctor and Guru mm -hmm. Nanak. And that story really actually shaped my wanting to be a physician because it talked about how he used to, he was meditating and um, and was like locking himself in the room, not really locking himself up in his room, but he was. <laughs> <laughs> let me rewind that. <laughs> so, so you know, uh, so he was vaulting he, himself. You yeah, know, yeah. Like a, I don't care if it's a bank vault yeah, or it. you know Fort Knox. Just I'm I'm going to be in here. 
<laughs> exactly. So, so no, he, um, he used to he would really go around and um, spend a lot of time in meditation and trying to connect to something. And, and it was his parents thought he was getting sick because he didn't want to eat. He ate very little. Um, and he wanted to just be in this connection with this deeper self that he called God, an all-pervading mm. um, presence that he said it was a formless presence. And so he, he used to, my parents told me the story, of course, probably not as, as with such big words as I'm using, but um, they basically told me that that he would go into their, his rooms and do that. And, the, and one day they asked the doctor to come and see him because they thought he was sick. Mm-hmm. And and the doctor came to see him. And when the doctor came to see him, the first thing he did was pick up his hand because back in the day they would feel the pulse, right, of mm-hmm. of a person. And he would feel the pulse. And Gernadi goes, "What are you doing? Why why are you picking up my hand?" And and he was really young. I think he was probably around eight or nine. Um, and and he's, there he's like, the doctor was like, "I'm trying to see what your sickness is." And he goes, "But doctor, my body's not sick." He's like, "If you were a wise doctor, you'd see the sickness." that I am in. It's more than just my mind. It's more than just my body. I suggest that you cure your own sickness before trying to cure mine. Look mm-hmm. into yourself and really know who you are. And he goes, this cycle cannot be cured by your medicines. And that kind of helped really stuck with me when, um, as I grew older. And, and he says, only the doctor who does not suffer from this and sees the sickness as a whole can give the medications to cure it. Mm. And, and so to me, my parents obviously put it very simple at, at, I was probably like five to eight. I heard the story all the time. And so, so they said to me, basically a true physician is one that does body, mind and spirit. And of course they said doctor at the time. And I, and I'm, none of my parents, by the way, are doctors. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. like, you know, they were like that. It was just, it was a story that stuck with me. They told me many different stories of, of different, different, um, spiritual stories, but this one's particularly stuck with me and it stuck throughout my, my idea of becoming a doctor. And so that kind of actually pushed me when I started meditating and doing meditation, I was like, well, you know, I know a lot about the body. Um, uh, so I don't know a lot about the body. I know about spiritual stuff and, and I wanted to get more scientific about the mind and the body so that I could, and I thought actually, honestly, I thought I'd get some more science about the spiritual health too, when I went Mm -hmm. into medical school. And so I decided to go into medical school. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a little different, (laughs) you know, it wasn't wasn't exactly what I thought, but (laughs) it was like, you know, but at the same time, you know, um, I really appreciate the fact that I learned so much about the physiology of, of, of a human um, in physically and mentally. And yeah. that, that, that really did help me to kind of understand where to get the connection between the body, the mind. And, and, but I did feel there was a lack in the idea of how to learn about spiritual health, which is there now in, in palliative care, you know, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but it, I like, I believe it's also prevention. So, yeah. so I kind of, that's what inspired me to go into medicine. And then I went to medicine and went into residency. And I think our spirits kind of get crushed sometimes when we're in residency. You know? mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so, so, um, and then, and then I was fortunate enough to start working and decided, you know, I need to go and do integrative medicine because it is exactly what I've always had in the back uh, or the forefront yeah. of my mind, which was um, body, mind, and spirit, looking mm-hmm, at a person as mm-hmm. a whole. So that's kind of how I went into all that. And the health coaching process, I, I went into the health coaching because I believe that coaching is, a, is actually part of a spiritual process for a person. It's really about finding what really what really matters to them, what their values are, and helping them and coaching them and realizing they are the expert in their own life. And all we can do is really guide them through that and helping them to gain clarity in that while they get coached and in whatever area it is. And, and a lot of times as physicians, we always have this ability to, 
hey, this is what you have to do. Um, here's your directions, follow this. And, and I found that when we actually help them in, I mean, there has to, there is a place for directive um, talking, of course there is, but, but, but we tend to do more of that than actually sit back and really yeah. hear what are these people saying? And, and wait a minute, they're giving you the answers. Half the time they're giving you the answers on, on what would probably help them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, um, thank you for sharing that. Um, I think, um, it's, it is missing in medicine, referring to the spirituality piece. Um, I was very fortunate for um, a couple of reasons um, to relate to, you know, kind of your journey. Um, I was raised by a Chinese medical doctor who is my mother, and I didn't have any, you know, Western trained physicians um, before me, um, with the exception, I believe, was my father's father. And, um, you know, he practiced in China and I never met him. You know, he passed away when my father was uh, 16. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that, you know, my aunt is a Chinese medical doctor and, you know, my mom, you know, was the biggest influence for me. And uh, we practiced, she practiced uh, basically prevention, looking at the patient as a whole, you know, holistic yeah. care. And so that was already the foundation, building up the foundation before I got into medicine. And I went into osteopathy, you know, osteopathic medicine, yes, where yes. where one of the four tenets is, you know, we encompass the entire body as a unit in addition to mind, body, and spirit. So I can definitely appreciate where you're coming from. Um, I think that's very, um, very interesting how you started off um, with meditation first. Yeah, and eight is actually when I had my mo my most... I think, vivid memory of my first time of meditating. Um, I mean, I, I meditated in between, but, you know, when you're young, you may not remember it as well. But I remember at eight, I had the most clearest moment of when I felt the first time I meditated. And it was only 10 years later when I started doing the meditation that I do now. And I did other meditations in between that, but particularly mm -hmm. the one I teach now, that that I had the exact same feeling. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Personally, on a personal level, I, uh, I had a... Um, after I went through medical school, um, you know, I had a few months to myself, I had a gap year. And so what I did was uh, my one of my best friends from college, he introduced me to something called Vipassana meditation. Mm -hmm. And um, I went, um, have you heard of it? Yes. And I went into this 10 day, um, you know, retreat. And basically, for our audience members who don't are not aware of it, it's basically everything is shut off. You know, you're basically shut from society. You don't keep any technology with you. Um, you basically don't even lock eyes with um, anyone. And you basically, you're just taught this technique on how to uh, interpret and how to sense and how to um, basically uh, decipher all these external cues and stimuli that we are bombarded, you know, all the time. And no matter what kind of uh, technique or religion or spirituality you practice, it's really about at the end of the day, they're very similar in that, you know, you have to kind of go within, you know, you kind of have mm -hmm. to process, you know, oneself and, um, you know, using whatever conduit you practice to be able to get a deeper sense about yourself. And so um, I think it's, I, I think it's great. Yeah. And I think um, one of the things that, um, I mean, you brought up that I, is actually really near and dear to my heart is this universal like concept that I think is in there and all, all particular paths and forms and religions particularly. And, mm -hmm. and that, and that's kind of what I, I talk about is I actually ended up reading the scriptures of the different religions, particularly, and, and looking at that, there's a lot of universal concepts that are in there and, and that, 
and that even when you say meditation, where do we think it came from? Ultimately, right? There's a, mm-hmm. there's, it's not just something that was made. It was, it was given in, in some ancient scriptures or ancient sacred doctrines that were there and out there. So, so that universality is there amongst them all. And, and I think that's what's really, I think sometimes we miss the point that you have, everyone has a way of understanding and therefore that's why there's different techniques and you have to pick the one that again would be meaningful to you, yes. which is again, part of your spiritual yes. path. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think, um, I wouldn't, I would definitely stress that, um, a lot is it's mm-hmm. whatever resonates with you. There's no yes. right or wrong, whatever, yes. path you know, you choose whether it's spirituality or religion. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's really about what speaks to you and what mm-hmm. resonates with you. And I totally agree. You know, we are, you know, one, you know, chain in the whole, you know, in the whole, you know, universe, you know, it's like a, a link in a bicycle chain, you know, it's like, we are no better, or worse, no greater, or, yes. you know, um, <laughs> anything lesser, anything more or less. It's, you know, we are, you know, we all affect, you know, each other. If you think of it like, um, like a spider web, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, you touch one part, mm-hmm. uh, unless you're, you know, you have a phobia of, you know, <laughs> spiders, yeah. you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you, you touch one part, if you imagine you touch one part of the web, you can notice that the entire web, you know, follows, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So yeah. it's kind of like the six degrees of separation. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, we are all connected. Yes. Um, and um, I think one of the closest, uh, and going back to medicine, um, you know, one of the closest, um, you know, I, I, the works of John Kabat-Zinn, um, yes, who, yes. who did uh, mindfulness, uh, mindfulness um, in medicine, and he has this mindfulness stress reduction clinic, and he's done an amazing work. Um, I think he's like in his mid seventies, and he's uh, um, very, he's done very, very good work. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. So moving on to the next question, um, you know, your your practice is all about, um, you know, one of the main cores, it sounds like, is spirituality is medicine, you know, and define to the audience, like, what does that mean, you know, for you? And what does that mean as a concept? And how do you apply that? Yeah. So, you know, um, you know, you, I mean, you're probably know this food is medicine, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we say food is medicine. And when we look at how we can nourish our bodies, we can nourish it, we can choose to nourish it with, with nutritious food and exercise to keep it strong and healthy and vital. Um, you know, in our minds, we can choose to 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 make it healthy by engaging in things that you know uh, that make you feel happy, but also that can exercise your mind, like knowledge and reading and and growing. Um, but then it comes to that term of what do we do for our spirits? How do we lift our spirits? How do we keep ourselves in this this uplifted spirit all the time? And how do we nourish that? And I think that's the question that is not really being attended to when it comes to medical health um, and in generally lifestyle, right? So, so spirituality is medicine is about learning to connect within and really while you connect within, you begin to actually honor yourself. When you honor yourself, give yourself love and honor who you are as a person, you'll heal innately. And, and it doesn't mean that you don't need other things outside there, but you're now taking care not only of your body and your mind by doing those other things, but also the spirit, which is really important in, and is probably the vital nuclear force of, of who we are. Mm-hmm. I like that nuclear force. I like that. 
Um, I think that's a great concept to really, really reinforce and remind uh, people nowadays because, you know, we live in a very fast-paced society. We are bombarded with distractions all the time. And so what that ends up being is that, you know, it distracts us a co- from a couple of things. One, from yourself, okay? You, you know, kind of depend and rely on external cues, you know? We're very attached to our smartphones. We're very attached to all these different things outside of us. And so mm-hmm. what tends to happen, I find from my observations, is that we don't really rely on ourselves anymore. You know, we re- rely less on our internal cues. So, for example, you know, just like having a cold or, um, you know, just having all these different types of symptoms where, you know, it just accumulates. But what people don't do is that they don't pay attention to their own body cues yeah. to the point where, you know, things start to escalate and then it becomes um, some you know, earth shattering episode and then they come to the doctor, you know. And it's yeah. beyond that too. I mean, it's even beyond the, like you uh, the, beyond the, like you said, the mind and the body and beyond that is even you know, a lot of us like mental illnesses, depression, anxiety, all those things come about because we sometimes get confused and feel chaotic because we forget what our purpose is. And a good example is, is medicine, right? Like Mm -hmm. when we went into medical school, look at all the medical students. We all know that they're really motivated and ready to go. And they have these high spirits. It's been well known that we, all of us as physicians went in for a purpose of helping others and serving others and trying to, you know, really give our best to them. And somehow we lose that along the way. And Mm -hmm. instead of cultivating it, you know, if they say, well, you know, everyone's, you know, trying to let's help residents, let's help, let's help um, physicians um, through the process of losing their passion. And I don't like to call that burnout. I think it's just losing your passion, you know? And, and when you, when you look at the medical students, I say it's prevention. Why don't we enforce them to keep that spirit while they go through so that even if they hit those, challenges, they don't begin to lose it. And I think that applies to every field. It's not just medicine. It's not, it's every part of your life that in the end, we kind of lose the focus of, of what we were supposed to be here for, whatever it is that we set out to. Sometimes we don't even know what our purpose and meaning is. And I think asking those questions, and I think that's where a coach, I think, comes in really helpful as well, is really looking at those values and, and understanding where those are. And I think that part gets missed when we do many things in our life. And so so there's food and there's, there's mental things we can do mm-hmm. to help ourselves with this. But our spirit really comes down to gaining that clarity around what deeply is important and sacred and vital to us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, so with that in mind, you know, why, why do you think, um, how would you envision um, inserting concepts like spirituality and meditation into, for example, uh, medical education? Because it sounds like, you know, you and I agree that it's kind of, um, you know, I think it needs to be taught um, in medical education. I think it needs to be practiced within residency training. So to, you know, I, I would envision that by the time that you are set to practice um, on your own, you're able, you're, you're uh, you know, well-equipped to be able to kind of, you know, relay these tools and resources to your patients and also um, practicing it, you know, for yourselves. You know, but do you think do you think it's important um, you know, to be able to insert these things into uh, into uh, education and training? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I definitely think that we need to do, we are doing that anyways. I think I know in, um, there's a lot of places in the U.S. that are doing that, um, not as much in Canada, but definitely in the U.S. that where they're starting to um, incorporate the spiritual care uh, in Canada. They have a really well 
it's well done in palliative care, but in education, Mm -hmm. um, you're looking at a different level. It's not being implemented at the medical school level. um, It's not being implicated as much in residency as it should be, I think. And, and I think some ways of, of that is exactly the points that you pointed out Two 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 perspectives of this. One is the perspective from the patient, how we can help them, but also there's a perspective of how we can help ourselves so that we also don't go through through, you know, losing our passion as we get go more and more and see more, you know, chronic diseases and, and things that happen to people. And, you know, that can be quite mentally tolling for us as well for some of the stuff that we see as physicians, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, in medical school, the reason why I'm saying start at medical school is because right now um, we, I think the first implementation that people are doing is trying to train medical students and train residents to be more adept to doing a spiritual history, which is good. I think that's really important. And I think that's a great start. But I also think that there needs to be more focus on their own spiritual health. And a part of that is getting um, them to understand that spirituality, and I think this comes into probably something we're going to talk about later is a little bit about spirituality is one of the biggest misconceptions of spirituality is that it's religious. Right. Mm, mm. And, and, and it's not um, spiritual. Spirituality is actually the definition, at least that we go by, is is that it's something that gives you meaning and purpose in your life. What's important to you, how your relationships and how that importance or something that's vital for you, you how that influences you to interact in certain relationships and whether that's with yourself with others with something sacred whatever that might be that may include religion for some people but it's not just religion and so you know some some of those things is allowing a process of this where i think you need to have almost like maybe one class of personal growth Mm. just for Mm. medical students and Mm. and then again repeat that in residency maybe it's you know we do grand rounds and you know could we do that on a monthly basis you know things like Mm -hmm. that so 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 where you actually get them to do that for themselves and you know people there has been some controversy about people say well i don't want to meditate i want to and that's where i say it's really important to understand what gives them meaning because when you recommend a mind-body therapy which is also something i'm very interested in in all the different mind-body therapies is that um, you can't recommend a mind-body therapy without understanding what the person's belief is. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and you can't simply just telling them to go out and do, for example, you know, mindfulness or meditation or go out and do yoga when they don't have sort of meaningful values. Minimal, that, minimal understanding. Yeah, or even values that don't go with this. So, for example, some people say, you know, I'm very much a uh, good example. Is people say, you know, I'm very, I'm very much, uh, I don't believe in anything more than just nature and the way things go. You're like, okay, so, you know, how about breathing techniques? How about this? They're like, yeah, I could do that. It's more tangible for me. Well, there's mm. other people who say to me, no, I believe that there's this all-pervading power within me, um, and I want to connect to it. I believe in something that maybe I call God, right? And so then you're giving them techniques that, sure, they help their mind and their body, but it didn't hit the core of who they are, and therefore, you know, they may not continue. They may feel the benefits mentally, and, but they, it didn't hit the core of who they were. So I think those are kind of the things that I think we would have to assess for even medical students and giving we're putting we're training them to put their time into other people. Um, We also need to get them to learn to put time into themselves. And I think that Mm. would make them really important, like, you know, amazing physicians. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. A couple of points to that. And I really love what you hit upon. The first point is. You know, I like how you went through the examples of, you know, understanding what their core beliefs and values are in terms of spirituality and or religion. So you Mm kind of have a 
baseline of where to work from. I think that's really key. I think, um, um, you know, I can relate to that in terms of nutritional counseling whenever I have a patient or a client um, to kind of understand where they've been mm-hmm. and to understand, you know, what the landscape of where they want to go. So I have a better idea of how to direct them and what to recommend, you know, just with food and nutrition. Yes. So that's very interesting. I, I really love that point. Yeah. And I also love the point um, about uh, it's important for students to kind of find themselves or get them grounded Mm -hmm. or to understand. And, um, you know, I don't know what the statistics are in terms of traditional uh, students versus non-traditional. And what I mean by that is traditional, um, you know, they just go from one school to another. There's no, you know, uh, years in between. So like going from high school to college Mm -hmm. and then going to graduate education. I would actually argue that, you know, to add to your point, that it's actually super important to actually have a couple of gap years, um, you know, after college, before going into graduate school, you know, just to be in the real world um, for a little bit, you know, just to work, you know, just to kind of live life a little bit. And, um, you know, I personally didn't do it, but I had a gap year in between Mm -hmm. medical school and residency. And then, you know, from there, you know, I took a lot of time to do a lot of self-work a lot of self-work and travel the world. And so that's personally how I was able to, you know, understand myself on a personal level and also understand on how to apply that in my professional level. So I think that's actually super important. And, you know, you don't want to rush into a career because you're going to be very intimately um, in the midst of other, other uh, lives of other people because they're coming to you for, you know, uh, advice. Yeah. And on, you know, on that note too, um, something you just said that was really, um, that actually reminded me of something is that the whole at the undergrad university level, um, I think, isn't that that, is it that, uh, I don't want to get the wrong um, school. It might've been Harvard or Stanford. Um, I'll have to check on that for you, but, but it's the one, they have that course design your own design your life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's like, it's Mm. packed. Apparently there's a waiting list and it's for undergrad um, uh, students so that they can learn to design their life, which is, figuring out what their purpose is, what their meaning is, what they really yeah. want to go into. And I was like, this is a fantastic. My husband um, dropped that book on me one day and I was like, what is this book, right? And I was like, oh my God, this is an amazing book. I was like, what is he trying to tell me? Design my life? So, yeah, like, like, what, what kind of hint are you giving me? I know, exactly. And I was like, no, I know you like this stuff. I was like, oh, okay. So, so anyways, I read the book and I was like, I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. And, and, it, and then that's actually also a little bit triggered me on this coaching thing, that this yeah. coaching thing is really important in that we, as a coach, it's not about giving advice to people. A coach is guiding them through a process mm-hmm. that they already know. It's in mm-hmm. there. We just have to highlight it and reflect it back to them so they see that they already have their ideas within them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I uh, coaching, you know, I, I also work as a coach and, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're basically an advocate for them. You know, yeah. you're basically the guidepost. You're basically the compass. You know, mm-hmm. they already mm-hmm. have all the answers within themselves yeah. and you just have to be able to kind of, you know, clear out the barricades from their minds so they could do it themselves. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like the compass thing. (laughs) (laughs) Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. 
Um, going off of what we were just talking about, mm-hmm. about um, misconceptions, uh, what other misconceptions can you give us about um, spirituality and meditation through your practice and experience so far from patients? Yeah, sure. So this, um, you know, spirituality, um, I mean, I, there's two, there's two, I guess, again, uh, I'd like to break it down into two areas. So there's misconceptions, mainly from providers is what I'm going to start off with, with, um, as a provider or a physician, um, uh, and other health professionals is that we sometimes feel a little bit, um, uh, uh, not equipped to be mm-hmm. able to ask about spirituality because we've never been taught it. So um, some common things I've heard from my colleagues are things like, you know, I just think it's a little bit, you know, I'm going a little too far if I ask them about who, what they believe in spiritually or they feel uncomfortable or they don't say anything until that person asks, their, their patient lets them know. And I think um, one of the biggest um, misconceptions is that they are getting into something that's too intimate with their patients. But when you think about, I don't know about you, but as a family physician, I hear a lot of things that are much more intimate um, Mm. than Mm -hmm. than just asking about spiritual care. And I think it's more getting health professionals more comfortable with asking this because 80% of patients actually want to be asked um, about their spiritual beliefs. And that when they do get asked about these spiritual beliefs, it improves compliance it improve. It helps them with coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. It's been shown to um, uh, help uh, patients, particularly feel like their physicians understand them, which I think is mm-hmm. really important. With I think I think in the U.S. right, there's a new thing coming out that quality of care stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, quality and, measures. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that and that um, that has been shown to be improved when physicians um, are are asking about the people and spiritual health. And so one of the biggest misconceptions is that patients don't want it. They don't want to be asked. Mm. They think you're you're prying into their life, but you're not. I mean, and so that's they actually want to be asked. And so that's one thing that I tell them. The second thing is that um, people think it's not their place to do it. The physicians, particularly, mm, mm. right? Yeah, I think um, I think that's super important. Um, you know, because going off of my own spiritual journey and stuff like that, because in a way, it, you're you're kind of tapping in and asking them to the core. You know, you're getting to the root of who they are essentially, because it's, it's, it's from this, they are, you know, having their basis of values, beliefs, and then from there they make decisions. And then from there they make actions on those decisions. So it's, you know, you're kind of, you know, you know, grabbing the almost, I know this is kind of like not negative, but like you're getting to the the weeds of it, you know, it's just not at the, you know, we're working too much at the surface. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And then meditation, um, uh, you're asking me about misconceptions of meditation. <laughs> so, but basically seven, I did seven misconceptions of meditation, so I won't do all seven, <laughs> but one of the biggest ones is that, uh, people feel that they need to do something in meditation. And what I mean by that is that we, we feel that when we're meditating, we have to, uh, either, put an effort into it. And, and, and I, when I mean effort, I mean, people do breathing techniques when they meditate and there's nothing wrong with these techniques. I'm not trying to shoot them down or anything that these are all going to work, but that there's a misconception that there's many different meditations out there and we have to find the one that suits us the best. And it's not necessarily that you need to do breathing techniques. It's not necessarily that you need to control your thoughts, you know, or be still or, or, or any of those things. So I think one of the biggest misconceptions people have is that they need to do something in meditation, but if you're doing something in meditation, then you're not giving a chance to really hear or feel what it is that is moving within you. 
So I think that's one of the biggest ones. The second one I would say is, I'm not going to go through all seven, like I said, because it's a mm-hmm. long list, but, but yeah. you know, uh, the second one is people think it's hard and time consuming. And, and when it's efficiently, when you do nothing and it's effortless, it's very potent. Um, uh, meditation is very potent when you learn to tap into that deeper self, uh, because this force that's within you is sustaining all of the universe. So can you imagine when it awakens in within you, it, it will surely be felt. So, so you don't need more than half an hour, even 20 minutes. Sometimes I meditate, I meditate maybe 10 minutes. Sometimes I meditate numerous times in the day, um, because I can tap in and out pretty quickly. And, and I don't need to just sit down in a quiet room. There could be noise and all the stuff around me. I don't need to close my eyes. I might be walking, talking and still being in tuned. And I think that's what I'm trying to say that there's a, there's an idea of meditation that it's a quiet, still, uh, you need to quiet your mind type of thing when honestly, that's a losing battle and personally, in my opinion. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I find yeah. that, um, you know, the, the biggest concepts, um, yeah, in, in my, uh, earlier years was really understanding concepts of doing and being, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the, the more we can just, just be, and yes. it's a very, it's, it's very difficult to, to explain and elaborate, but it's, um, yeah. It's as simple. It's as simple as just existing and just letting go and just being still and you know just just honing into yourself and just mm-hmm. you know just know that you are amongst a lot of different things you know that um, that is connected to everything and yes. Um, yes. doing is just to me it's um, exerting how I interpret it is exerting a lot of stress exerting too much energy where it's you know, what we need to do is be at this very low baseline of mm. energy exertion. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, and, and yeah, and you know, based on that, you're right, this low energy, ex- that is, if you think about, and this is getting a little bit scientific, I know we're trying to be more casual, but if you think about these, when you think about it scientifically, when we, what do we do when we go to sleep? And I say this because I think sleep, and when you, when you actually research a lot of these ancient scriptures, sleep is sacred. And, mm-hmm. and, when, and when you try to go to bed, we don't try, right? We just mm-hmm. put our head on the pillow and we fall asleep. And, our, and we actually hit these deeper brain waves when we are sleeping. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the things that I tell people is that, you know, when you fall asleep, you're in meditation, you're not doing something wrong. So it's almost like some of the things is that we talk about is that this energy that you radiate out when you are sleeping is kind of peaceful, right? When you see someone sleeping, you're like, hey, that person looks so peaceful sleeping. Or when you look at a baby is the best example is that they have this vibration around them that, that they feel so loving and calm and peaceful when they sleep. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like a state that we want. And there's, a, there's, there's this ability. Can we be like that while awake? Can we tap into that sub yes, or super consciousness yes. while we are awake? And that's kind of what, um, you know, I, why I enjoy meditation so much because that's, <laughs> that's what, that's what I do. Right. So Yeah. Yeah. So it's really about, you know, getting into the practice of that, but, Mm -hmm. you know, practice, not like, you know, going to the gym type of practice, but more about like, you know, man, it's, it's, yeah, it's being, (laughs) it's the lack of doing, it's just simply just, you know, being there and existing. So, um, Simra, this has been great. Um, Mm -hmm. I definitely want to close out, you know, I love asking my uh, guess um, these questions. Um, I want to know how do you personally thrive yourself? Um, 
there's a big difference when we are just going through the motions of life. And then when we are actually, you know, just, uh, just absorbing and just, you know, getting the most out of it. And then from that, you know, what are three tips that you can impart to our audience members that they can improve upon today? Well, you know, I, I, you know, it's not being biased, but I definitely, maybe it is. I thrive by meditating. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's about connecting. Um, When I meditate, I connect to this universal creative intelligent life force within me. And, and that almost is my fuel for eternity is how I see it. And, and I, I believe that through meditation, and this is, I guess, a tip that I think if you can learn something that helps you to connect or learn to let go. So do, do a meditation that teaches you to let go, or I say self-surrender, you know, to this life force within you. Um, and because we all want control of our lives and however true, true that is that we want it you know the truth is life can't be controlled right Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and in each morning i would say if you start your day with taking a few minutes of learning to like let go of something that's maybe of some control that you're trying that's impeding on your life and maybe recognize that um it might be a way to help you to get through your life easier and and create more of a uh living from a power center from within you know so learning to let go would be my first tip the second thing is practice oh sorry doing meditation that helps you to let go and then practicing gratitude and humility. This is something that I do every day. I think the first thing I wake up in the morning is um, before I go to meditate, I, I, I say thank you for everything I've been given. And that's one of my, almost, I've, I've been doing that for I don't know how many years and practice mm-hmm. gratitude and humility. So when you practice, when you appreciate things and you're, and, you're, and you're grateful for things, you really, humility kind of comes a little bit with that, right? Because mm-hmm. only when you give gratitude. And so one thing I tell people is when you, on a daily basis, ask yourself a few things, you know, um, one is that is pick three things in the day that you can appreciate that you feel that you're appreciative of and that you're grateful for. And, and maybe the three things that you're not and mm-hmm. try to practice humbleness on the three things that you're not. Mm-hmm. And then practice love and honoring yourself. Um, and how do I say that? Well, I think we really, you know, we need to care about ourselves. So do, do this by caring about yourself, investing in time for yourself to do the things that you love, um, that are meaningful to you. And I would say that bring you joy. I say, ask yourself, and this is what I tell a lot of my health, I call them health partners. I don't like to call them patients. So I call them health partners, um, mm-hmm. is, I know, ask, ask, ask yourself daily, were you gentle with yourself today? Mm. Did you embrace yourself? Yeah, that's, yeah. uh, that's very, very powerful. And, um, you know, I think that can't be overemphasized is really about going back to self-care, um, really just being grateful of today, yourself, um, you know, everything that you have present in your life. Um, for me, it's uh, mostly health and uh, the people in my life. Um, mm-hmm. Not really a big fan of uh, tangible things. Um, it's really about experiences. So, um, Simran, thank you so much, um, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. And you gave, you know, such a great, uh, shared such a great story about yourself and what you do. If our audience members, um, are interested and want to follow you or look more, um, uh, look you up and have more information, where can they find you? And let us know, uh, again, um, you know, what is the offer that you have for us? Um, so if you go to, uh, spirituality forward slash thrive 25, um, they get 25% off any meditation package that they like. And they also get that seven misconceptions of meditation PDF as well. Okay. And great. if they want to, and if they, sorry, and if they just want to know a bit about me, you just go to spiritualitiesmedicine.com. And I think, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm also on LinkedIn and uh, Twitter, which I think I gave you my handles for, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So. yeah, so we'll include that into the show episode notes. Um, so thank you so much. I uh, really appreciate and enjoyed having you um, on the show today. Yeah, thank you, Colin, for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation. Yes. All right. So this has been a, another episode of Thrive Bites. Uh, check us back every week and uh, see you on the next one, guys. Hey, guys, that was another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like that episode, please subscribe and follow weekly for new episodes. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts.